Good morning, everybody. I guess it's morning here in the Pacific Northwest, and it's evening where our special guest is today, one that I know um, is really going to be a, a great addition to our podcast, and it is our honor to have the great Alistair Ben on. And, uh, and I, we were talking before, and uh, uh, first of all, Alistair, thank you for being here. I really yes, appreciate you being here. It's an honor to have you. Um, and uh, you're, you are right up there in my mind with the great photographers that we've been so fortunate to have uh, sure. here on We Talk Photo. You know, wow. And you'll yeah. hear real soon that Alistair is a native of the beautiful area uh, of Scotland, where he is. Whereabouts are you in Scotland, Alistair? Well, first of all, it's it's very humbling to to hear those very kind words. I'm I'm blushing furiously as I'm sat well, here. It's all true. <laughs> um, we, my wife and I, live uh, on the far, the very very far west coasts. So there's a peninsula that goes way out into the Atlantic called Ardnamurchan, uh, which is the furthest west point of the Scottish mainland. And we're kind of out there a little bit, uh, not quite all the way to the end, but we're, we're kind of out there. So about about 40 minutes from Glencoe, which is a very famous place, um, but away from the tourists. Uh, we don't get so many tourists over our side of the, of the water. Uh, but it's very beautiful and fall is slowly starting to burn now. Um, we only got back. We were away for a couple of weeks photo trip um, to an even more remote place in Scotland. Uh, so we only got back on like Wednesday. So I'm just kind of up to my neck in office work. At the moment. I, I just mm-hmm. got back from the Upper Peninsula, Michigan, and I'm uh, actually flying back in a couple of days uh, on the red eye back to the Smoky Mountain area and Ohio area for nice. two weeks. So I hear you. Yeah. John, how are you doing? John doing, Peterson from Portland, Oregon. Doing or, good. Still in, uh, still living. For those of you following along at home, I'm still in my temporary housing. And Alistair, you probably didn't hear the story, but a very large tree fell in our home and, and oh, uh, kicked us out of the house. And, uh, wow. So we've been living uh, living in an apartment for the last uh, few months and have a few more months to go. And uh, it's uh, it's entertaining, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it kind of makes you it kind of makes you realize what's important and what's not in a way of, uh, you know, possessions and routines and, and right. living your space. And uh, especially when it comes to being creative, you know, I'm yeah. My, and we're going to talk about that. Yeah, I mean, my home office is the uh, is the apartment bedroom right now because my Yikes. wife is working from home, and so you know, we, you just gotta you just gotta show up and make do every day and uh, do the best you can every day with whatever uh, whatever situation is that that presents itself. So, hundred percent, all good, Alistair. For the people who don't know about uh, you and your work, um, and and you're probably like everybody else that's it's at the top of their game probably sick and tired of going through this but could you just go through a quick uh just a quick little bio for the folks um here? sure well, firstly i hope i'm not at the top of my game <laughs> well, you, you are in my book I, well I, I i'm i still i still have a lot of plans so hopefully hopefully i'm going to keep 
growing uh, as, as a creative person. Um, right. Well, I, I much like uh, many of us, I, I kind of had a camera when I was much, much younger back in the 1980s when I was a kid running around Scotland, pointing it at things that kind of excited me. And then I, I didn't do anything with it until my 30s. And we were talking before we came on air here about NPN back in the day, sort of 2003, yep. 2004, which is when you and I first became aware of each other, along with uh, all of our peers like Mark Adamus and Guy Tal and Adam Gibbs and just a whole great bunch of incredible people. So I was a bird photographer back then. I was living in the Far East. I was living in Tibet um, and running around with a big lens uh, trying to photograph very, very, very skittish Chinese birds. Um, And it was on, I used to travel a lot with work back then. And it was on a trip to Canada in 2004 that I went and bought a, a landscape lens and a camera store in Calgary and bought some filters and started pointing it at um, more cool stuff that I liked, you know, which was sort of mountains and rivers and forests and reflections and all of the things that kind of catch our eye. And then I joined all these forums and um, was getting praised by some people and criticized by others. Um, and I felt that I had to learn a lot. So I, I really went on about a decade long crusade of trying to learn everything I possibly could, reading sort of fine art degree, university, master's degree type level books on composition and exposure and, and uh, understanding how cameras worked and how we see and the psychology of everything, much like Guy Tal kind of going down the rabbit hole with, with what makes us tick. Um, and by about the middle of 2016, I was very disenfranchised with work, uh, creative work, um, because I was just making photographs that looked the same as everybody else. Um, and I felt that popularity was my key driver, you know, making a name for myself, being popular, selling learning material, filling workshops. And it just felt like my photographs were just a calling card. Um, and then I went into the Gobi Desert in the early part of 2017 um, and it changed my life. Um, I've spoken very openly about my depression and anxiety and panic uh, syndrome. Um, and uh, I was a very troubled guy back then. Um, and over the last three or four years, I've come out of that. Um, so where I'm at now, and, and I've realized this is more than a very short bio, um, is that I focus my creative work on trying to help other people to be confident in their own creativity, to realize that their voice is unique and is entirely valid and that no one really has a right to tell them what they should be doing, what they should be pointing their cameras at. So it's very much, I'm more focused now on self-actualization for myself and others um, and helping uh, people who are less confident or less articulate to uh, voice their opinions and voice their unique perspectives. Because I find that the quiet voices are the people who have the most to say. Uh, The loud voices rarely uh, have the most to say. So, yeah, I, I, I think I've found my feet, uh, not just as a creative person, but with the passion for what I want to do for our art form, uh, because before I was a bit lost with that. It was just making photographs for the sake of making photographs, whereas now I know why I make photographs and what I want to achieve. That's longer than you anticipated. I'm sorry. No, that's <laughs> no, no, fantastic. No, that's Let's, hey, Alistair, let me let me ask you real quick and focus on your Out of Darkness collection. Um, we, as we were talking a little bit before the show, that was uh, that uh, sort of symbolized your your transformation 
in a way of coming out of your own darkness into the light and and really where you found your feet uh where you're at today and that and it's that collection that 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 is uh really got you noticed from the uh uh boy i just lost the words the um uh, Royal Photographic Society. Sorry, that's just, right. Yeah, that's so you right. just you just got named uh, as a fellow to the Royal Photographic Society. What? Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, it, it, um, again, it, it's hugely humbling. Uh, the the list of names uh, who are uh, recognised by the the Royal Society is 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 quite a list of. Inc- Incredible photographers and creative people. So very humbling again. So um, yeah, uh, that was just last week. Actually, it was a week uh, a week past today. Actually, so it's literally seven days ago. Um, and yes, yeah, so I submitted this body of work uh, called Out of Darkness, which is a kind of prelude to the book. Um, I, I, I've known for about two years that I wanted to make a book of this um, and I wanted to throw the kitchen sink at it. I want it to be more than a book. I want it to be uh, a, a manual or a, an inspiration for people who know what that feels like, who knows what it feels like to to have the world closing in on you and to, to hear that voice in your head just talking you down the whole time and convincing you that there's something wrong with you, convincing you that the, you're broken somehow. And even though you're functional and you can converse with people and no one knows from looking at you uh, from the outside, but we know what it feels like. You know what it feels like to lie in bed at three o'clock in the morning, sweating and having um, just awful thoughts uh, about the futility of your existence and all of those types of things. And yeah, so the, the book, the book is very something I'm very excited about. I'm actually going to uh, launch the the kind of first snippets of information about it in December, the 17th of December. Mm-hmm. There's actually a new URL uh, started, which is outofdarkness.co.uk. So out of darkness is all one word. Um, and on there, there's a sign up form for their newsletter that you will be getting information about the book. So obviously, there's going to be book, there's going to be prints, uh, but there's also going to be the website, which is going to hopefully become a resource of uh, just useful and inspirational things that people can dive into when they maybe aren't feeling their best. And it just lets them remember to keep the perspectives real and to to understand that these things these things are transient you know they're not usually permanent states um and i I believe totally that creativity and immersing ourselves in creativity and that doesn't necessarily have to be photography it can be playing a guitar or any other musical instrument it can be going out for a walk in nature and watching birds it can be writing it can be running it can be painting or sculpting or doing things with clay or needlepoint or gardening uh, there's any number of ways that we can get out of ourselves um, and all of those are useful so i kind of call the whole concept creative living um, and photography is just uh, it's a catalyst it's just one of the ways that i uh, allow myself to gain better perspectives on things that are not defining me but yet sometimes we think they are defining us it's like oh i'm a worried person no i'm just worrying at the moment uh that they're, they're very, very different statements so yeah the, the, the outer darkness body of work is is very important to me um it's not just a labor of love it's it's something that i believe 
truly passionately in and I want it to be not just commercially successful for my own um, means uh, as as a as a as someone who relies on selling products to make a living uh, I actually want it to add value to the community and I want it to add value to our art form and that thankfully is what the Royal Photographic Society have given me my fellowship for was was this contribution to 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 the the creative process and the 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 function of photography within society wow so 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 this is your first step on the path to knighthood then right (laughs) (laughs) yes i've I've, I've, you you have no idea how many p uh, dms i've had from friends uh basically (laughs) telling me that i'm still just a really normal guy and not to get above myself (laughs) yeah no doubt no doubt well well it's well deserved you know we were talking uh before we started our recording here today about living a creative life and uh i know this is something that a lot of us do even not realizing we do but thinking about it and actually living that kind of a life i'm not sure if 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 we should say, well, we have to live a creative life, I think we do. I mean, I, I think anybody who's like you or, or, or Guy or so many other people we know, I mean, they all we all live that life not even realizing it. Um, Alistair, could you talk a little, expand a little bit about on what we started to talk about prior to beginning this uh, podcast sure one of the, one of the things i really love about these these types of conversations is we don't have a script and we don't have a list of questions and it allows the the conversation to to grow organically yeah. um and these conversations are creative you know you're you're asking a question and, and i'm having to form sentences and sort of get my thoughts together and sort of process information and and put it together in an articulate and uh way and and using metaphors and nuances and inflection to get across the emotion and the feeling that I have about this subject and every form of creativity allows us to do that within the parameters of the tool that we use so obviously playing a guitar uh, we were talking before I mean people like Pat Metheny I mean incredible guitar players I mean John McLaughlin incredible guitar players you know, these these people have so much technique, but all it is is a tool. It's just a tool to express emotions, feelings, uh, angers, fears, doubts, joy, love, passion, all of the attributes of living that we totally understand. And some people are very articulate with them using words. Poets can be beautifully uh, articulate with their written words, uh, art. Uh, writers of most genres are very articulate with their words some people can't do that some people can't express their emotions verbally some societies frown upon um, particularly men expressing weakness or overly sensitive emotion Um, you know there's a lot of societies really frown upon that whereas 
playing a really heavy distorted guitar is an acceptable form of expression in certain societies. So I think really where I'm at is that we all know how to experience emotion. Some people have a broader emotional spectrum than others. Some people live on a very narrow spectrum. Some people like Guy and myself live on this incredibly broad spectrum from the deepest shadows to the brightest highlights. Um, and I use this metaphor all the time when I'm teaching photography is the histogram tells you where you are in your emotional spectrum. The image is already articulating to you how it feels. Um, so using creativity how can we be creative if we're not trying to articulate something? If we're not trying to articulate emotion, if we're not trying to articulate a message or a story. Um, and I think there's a big difference between people who go all in, you know, and becoming, you know, because creative creativity is a lifestyle for most of us. I, I would do this even if I won the lottery this weekend, you know, I, <laughs> unlikely because I don't buy a ticket. But, um, you know, if, if suddenly miraculously 50, 000, 50 million dollars landed in my bank account, I would do this. I would still do exactly what I do. I would still yeah. talk about this. I would still make photographs. I would still play musical instruments. I would still go hiking in the woods. I would still spend time by the coast. I would do exactly the same as I'm doing now. Um, so the money... The, the the money of, of of a creative life is yes it's important but we shouldn't get hung up on it you know it, i think if you're doing good work and passionate work then then the remuneration kind of comes with it so really uh, for me i believe there is power and healing and therapy in um having a good relationship with our emotions uh i i sat i mean like i've said to you before I, I lived in tibet for seven years and and you're surrounded by buddhism you're surrounded by monks and lamas and and temples and monasteries and the thin air and and the the dusty dryness and the smell of juniper smoke and obviously when you're there being in touch with how you feel is a very very profound it's it's, it's a very tangible thing i, I remember being such a great fan of the, the late, great Galen Rowell and seeing his photographs from his time in Tibet in the 1980s um, and walking through those streets had a huge impact on me uh, in the 90, oh, 2000s, about 2007, 8, 9, 10, round about then. Um, so sitting on a chair and meditating is a really good way to get in touch with your emotions and your feelings and not to react to them and just understand how transient they are. But in terms of creativity, um, I'm always creative. I mean, it, creativity is just part of who I am. I, 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 talking, like I said, this sentence is creative. Playing a musical instrument is creative. Even going out for a walk and engaging with the world is creativity to me. So, but it's it's a, it's a commitment. It's a it's a big commitment. Yeah. Um, sorry, I do ramble. <laughs> no, 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 but you no. know, I think a lot of a lot of us, um, you know, we all have this kind of innate those of us who are involved with music or photography or writing there's a there's a need we have a need to be creative a need uh, to express a, ourselves yeah and and yeah. a lot of a lot of people have that need and don't realize they do you know right um I, you know, it's a funny thing. I'm looking up on my wall as we speak. I wish I had a camera in here. Maybe we ought to start doing videos sometime. No, maybe not, John. No, no, no. With me. But I'm looking <laughs> at uh, 
a print, you know, one of Guy's prints with the uh, the the purple. Uh, I think they're verbena on the ground with the little yeah. little peak in the back. And then on the right is a big amount, uh, a big Mark Adams print of uh, Mount Hood. Yeah. And on the left is my prized possession. It's a signed uh, print of the rainbow over the Dalai Lama's palace. That, oh, that, that, that was I just the from, photograph I was thinking about. Actually. From yeah. Galen years ago. You yeah. know, you know that 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 uh, that photograph for quite a while became kind of like listening to you know Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. It's just been yeah. over over overplayed and. That image has been over over overviewed maybe for a while, but when you go back and look at that and some of his other stuff, man, he was and and we could do a whole podcast on a hundred percent. He he was such an inspiration to me. But but they these people, you know, they 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 realize their need to be creative, and they and they use that um, just to to live, you know, and and. I think that for those of you who are listening to this that are creative people, realize you are and make the best of it. I think that's maybe the message here. For sure. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just going to jump in here real quick, Alistair. You know, earlier you had said uh, creativity comes from living a creative life, which I thought was a really poignant quote. I love that quote. What do you what do you say to people that aren't able to live a creative life? How do you how do you talk to them about tapping into their creativity if they're not living that life? Okay, um, a lot of it's perspective. I I, I think um, children don't need told how to be creative. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, you know, you know, I don't have any grandkids yet, but you know, I, I remember being a child and you know making forts out of boxes and hiding under sofas and tables and building all sorts of bizarre structures for myself in the garden and in trees and uh, you know I was never running out of things to to invent um, and or making up stories or making up games or whatever it was children don't need told how to be creative and the problem with an awful lot of what goes on in society is that we teach our kids to stop being creative because we call it being silly. We call it uh, misbehaving. Uh, we put parameters on them. We send them off to school. And, and believe you me, I had a very, very draconian education. <laughs> I went to some quite highbrow schools and uh, had most of my playfulness beaten out of me by about the age of 11. Um, and then, you know, you go off to university or you, you get a job. I mean, I ended up in a bank uh, and banks aren't places that encourage playfulness, uh, <laughs> nor, nor, should, nor should they particularly. But, you know, we, we, we learn how to be square. We learn how to conform. We learn how to be the same as everybody else. There's bullies at school that pick on us for, for being different, that pick on you for being imaginative imaginative or emotional um, and we spend an awful lot of our formative years when we're at our most um, creative in a way our most you know we've got this brain that's just firing super fast uh, and when we're 16 17 18 we end up suppressing an awful lot of those intuitive and innate behaviors or emotions or feelings or ways of expressing ourselves to conform with a bunch of people we don't even like 
Um, and then we get into our 20s and we tend to sort of settle down and we, we, we meet our partners or, or significant others um, and we get serious jobs and, and, you know, it becomes about making money and getting a mortgage and getting a car and, you know, then you have kids. And, you know, of course, your life takes on this much more mature and adult like way and we forget how to play. We forget how to laugh. We forget how to just spontaneously do something for the absolute mindless joy of doing it mm. um, and I think the realization for me the, the the kind of tipping point the fulcrum from that life I was in international finance for 20 years I mean it's a pretty serious job um, lots of money at stake if you get it wrong so you know lots of pressure um, the tipping point for me was that sudden realization that I cared more for my own mental health and my own personal development than what other people thought of me. And, and that was a huge tipping point for me because I suddenly realized that as soon as that, it was like falling off the fence and, and, and falling onto the, the better side of the fence. It was all of a sudden there was wide pastures and beautiful coastlines and amazing forests and rivers and lochs and lakes to play in. And I have a very playful attitude. I mean, when I'm in the landscape, I'm playful, I'm joyful, I, I am, I'm inquisitive, I'm experimental. And I don't use the, the framework of photography as a barrier. If I want to do something, I'll do it. If I want to try something, I'll try it. If it means, you know, putting a lens on backwards or throwing a camera up in the air, I'll do it just for the hell of it. So I, I think we, we learn to be square and if you're not living a creative life now, it's there are many reasons for that. Uh, you've been uh, oppressed and suppressed uh, through a lot of your life. Uh, you might be in a relationship with someone who who doesn't encourage that type of behavior in you. Uh, they want you to be sensible or, or to settle down. Um, you might be in a peer group that frowns upon using uh, flowery or emotional language. Uh, you might work for a company that doesn't want you to be creative. They just want you to follow the rules the whole time. And the thing about all of these things is they don't define us. The, the box that that surrounds us with, some of it is external and some of it is internally generated. I keep talking mm -hmm. to my clients about the cage most of us create a cage around ourselves, which is a which is made up of our beliefs and our values and the things we believe about ourselves that may not be true. Most of them aren't true. So we create this cage around us, which stops us from being creative. Uh, barriers to to being creative. So yeah, I mean, my 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 entire life is focused around around empowering other people to believe that their voice is valid. Yep. Yeah, yep. which is great. I think in, in folks, hopefully you caught a little bit of the nuance in there and living a creative life. And Alistair, definitely correct me or chime in, you know, really living a creative life isn't about going out and making fine art photographs every day of the week. It's about expressing and being creative every day in in even little ways. You know, the way you walk up the stairs, the way you greet your partner, the way you play with the dog, the way you view the world, those are those are the, the subtle ways to bring creativity into your life. Is that right. is that sort of what you were talking about? 
Yeah, I, I think I think think about it like uh, <laughs> most of these metaphors are spontaneous, so they haven't necessarily been well <laughs> thought through. <laughs> so think about it like making a meal. You prepare the ingredients um, to that you're going to put together later in the day. You know, so it means might, you might have to go to the store to to stock up on some things. Um, and it's the same with creativity: is that you prepare yourself to be creative you create the the parameters necessary to be creative and what that really means to me is removing the barriers between yourself and your creativity now if you want if your creativity or the vision of your creativity is to photograph like mark adamus um and you weigh 400 pounds uh one of the barriers to your creativity may be that you might not be able to go where Mark goes because of the physicality necessary to do so. If you don't know how to use a 12mm or a 14mm lens very, very well, that is a barrier between you and your creativity. So some of these things are technical. They're limited by the medium that we use. So if you're with a guitar player, if you don't know how to tune a guitar, that's a barrier to your creativity, potentially, unless you come up with something incredibly funky. But <laughs> typically... There are there are technical barriers and then there are emotional barriers. Uh, the emotional barriers um, can be much, much harder to deal with. And I think I've seen many, many people over the years who become very technically proficient, but don't make very emotional photographs. So they don't make very expressive or creative photographs because they're a function of technique. Uh, it's almost like AI. It's like it's like how a computer would make photographs because it's been programmed how to do it in a certain way. Whereas I believe most of us, the people who really inspire us creatively and photographically are, that is so true. So are, true. Making, are, are making up rules. They're, they're bending all the parameters. So true. So, yeah, I mean, and, and this is the key is that we cannot teach creativity and people who say they can. I would argue with them somewhat that what are they teaching them? You know, are they teaching them their version of creativity? Are they teaching them how to make photographs like they do and consider that to be creativity? Because I don't know what your creativity likes or I don't know what um, any of my clients creativity looks like. I don't even know what my own creativity looks like until it spontaneously erupts out of me. You know, And, yeah. and I, I like surprising myself. You know, I love processing intuitively without a plan without a roadmap just to see where it's going to take me because that's how new things appear yeah you know this came up uh, is actually it's coming up more and more in my workshops when i get away from you know the technical end of things and more into the cognitive end of things and one of the things I tell my folks is that, you know, you can't, you're right, you can't teach creativity, but you can learn to be creative by, um, I, you know, it's a couple of things. We, you know, we, we don't want to fail. I mean, human beings, we want to always succeed. So you can't be afraid to fail. Right. You can't be lazy. You know, you've got to, you know, push yourself to get out and do things or listen to things or make an effort. That, that, that's where I've been going wrong, huh? <laughs> well, no, I mean, I think you really, you can't be lazy. And then, you know, I think that we're born, um, one of the functions of, of humans is that 
we tend to want to take the easy way out and not experiment and not try different things and not, you know, and uh, I mean, how many times Alistair way back, I'm sure you don't do it much anymore, but if you're going somewhere, you know, you would, you'd pull out the map and you'd know exactly where you were going and you'd look at the weather and kind of say, well, it's going to be this. And and when I get there, it's going to be great. And, you know, I think we overplan. I really don't. I really do. And we don't, we don't, we don't go with the flow enough. And well, I, 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 one of the, one of the things you're going to find out about me more and more as, as this conversation unfolds is I'm a very accepting, non-judgmental person. And I, believe that any form of creative pursuit, be it highly planned, you know, thinking about where the moon is going to be or where the Milky Way is going to be or where the sun's going to come up or how that light is going to interact with the landscape. If you have a familiar location that you've got this dream shot, all of those things are are great. You know, having that passion to pursue an end, you know, some form of some form of aesthetic and emotional end, which is, you know, being personified in this photograph. It's a worthwhile pursuit. You know, there's people who chase uh, airplane numbers or photograph birds and sort of chase around the world looking for rare birds and stuff. Whatever the passion that drives you to get out of bed is, is a good thing. So I think what I'm trying to say with that is, is that all forms of photography be it super planned where you know exactly what height the tides is going to be and where the light's going to be hitting the landscape and how it's going to be interacting. And like Mark, who's a complete weather freak, you know, really understanding weather systems and how to maximize possibilities. All of that stuff is great. It's not for everybody. And I think the key is to to find our own way. The great Steve Vai, who who is he's a very different guitar player from Pat Metheny, but he's still a complete virtuoso guitar player. Yep. He said, there's an awful lot of time required preparing the vessel. If, if, if our body is the vessel of our creativity, there's a certain amount of time required to prepare the vessel. And that might involve tens of thousands of hours of technical practice whether it's playing scales or picking or how we how we use our left hand, right hand, whammy bar techniques, vibrato, tremolo, uh, all of these skills, legato, all of these skills are things that require practice. Using a, using a camera skillfully does require a degree of practice. Now, when it comes to making expressive statements with our photography, we only need as much technique as is necessary to say what we want to say so if you don't want to go through all of those tens of thousands of hours that's fine as long as you accept that you have a limited vocabulary or there's a potentially limited vocabulary Mm. in what you can articulate so i think it's really if you want to be a virtuoso at something then yes you need tens of thousands of hours there is no shortcut um, if you want to just go out with a camera and do all sorts of weird, blurry, zoomy, ICM type photographs, you, you, you need barely any technique at all to do that. Um, and, you know, that can be a joyful thing as well. So I think really uh, acceptance and non-judgmental are two wonderfully powerful tools to becoming more creative because we go to the beach with this expectation of what the sunset is going to be. And then we get there and there's a big fog bank. 
we can still have fun. We can still be creative. We can still do things. We've opened up, you know, instead of having a set of blinkers on that basically says, oh, I wanted to get that beautiful pinnacle sea stack there with the sunset behind it. If that isn't going to happen, not ruining our day by hating the fact that you know nature has let us down, uh, which of course it hasn't. It's our expectations that have not been realised. So it's it's basically our fault. Um, if you let that ruin your day, and then you just go and sit in a bar drinking until you're just shouty, shouty, abusive at the world, <laughs> then that's that's your problem, really. Uh, whereas if you decide to drive uh, a mile inland and start shooting. Uh, you know, trees in the fog, you can still have a marvelous time as long as you're open. So I think openness, acceptance, and non-judgmental are the three key attributes. I think to to sparking the parameters necessary for creativity. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think I think well said, and having the right tools to you know, as you were saying, skill sets to you know adapt uh, to because there's no bad light. There's just yeah, light that's different for different subjects, and and uh, but you know the 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 thing that was sort of resonating with me as you were talking, Alistair, was uh, express the concept of expressive photography, and that's one of those things that that really resonates with me. I mean, your work, guys' work, you can just tell by looking at the images how expressive they are and how much of your how much of your thought and emotion and feeling has gone into creating each one of these. And it's not really a question. It's just a, it's just a comment of, around. And, and I think that's a great name for your business around expressive mm-hmm. photography and, you know, getting people to that point of being able to express and articulate their, their voice through their photography is a, is an amazing thing. Thank you. Thank you. It's um, yeah. I mean, I, I read a lot of um, psychology, um, and Maslow, of course, was hugely famous in the 1960s. Um, and understanding the role of passion in a meaningful life is is huge. Um, I, I'm very very lucky uh, to to have a passion in my life. Um, and that passion basically drives everything. It, it's what gets me out of bed in the morning. It's what makes me put in the time uh, that I spend um, working on my craft. And, and um, you know, yeah, it, it, it's a hard, it's hard work. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. It, 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 yeah, there's, there's no shortcuts, you know, um, but we, we only have one crack of the whip. And yep. uh, I want to make my time here as useful and valuable and if i can give something back to the community that's nurtured me for the last 20 years um then i i I consider that a privilege um so yeah i mean it's that's very important to me it's It's amazing to me how many people like you and guy and mark and down the list we can sit here and name them for the next hour um all have the same philosophy of life kind of and that's giving back uh for being thankful for the ability to be able to do what we do and a lot of people who just want to be uh validated on on social media they have no comprehension of that and it's kind of sad you know it's it's uh, i think the problem is that it's an extraordinarily competitive business Uh, you know 
you you've been in it a long time. Guy's been in it a long time. Mark's been in it a long time. I've been in it. I've, I've my first photo photography company was in 2006, so it's yep. uh, it's cracking on now. I mean, it's uh, it's quite a few years, um, and it's difficult. It's a very saturated marketplace, and and I, I don't I don't resent anybody wanting to come into the space and to try and make a living in the space. Pardon me. Not at all. No. Yeah. Uh, so, but, but but the thing about it is, is that unfortunately, social media is only interested in popularity. It's only interested in algorithms. It's only interested in selling advertisements, um, and it doesn't really have our best nature, uh, our best interests at heart. Um, none of the platforms uh, are particularly friendly. Uh, if you decide to take a couple of weeks off, right. and your audience and your audience stops seeing your stuff. Uh, I, I just think it's brutal. I, th- I think they punish us in every conceivable way they can they can come up with to, to drive more dollars into their bank accounts. Um, so I, I think it's that is the hardest job that any of us have to do is to balance the the need for an audience and the need for our name to be out there in the world so that people know who we are and what we're trying to promote and and the products that we have to sell. Um, because unfortunately, a, a lot of the world thinks that all of our IP should be free. Um, and I had this conversation with someone uh, online a couple of weeks ago, actually, where they were saying knowledge should be free. And I said, well, that's great. I said, but, you know, if you're going to be a photographer and you're not selling prints because very few people buy prints anymore, you're not selling stock because it's dead. Um, you're not selling photographs to magazines anymore. And you can't fill your workshops because there's 40 workshops going to that location that month. Um and you give away all your IP for free, what's left? <laughs> you know, the, what, what, how else are we going to make a living? Um, and, and that's the, the harsh reality is that, that, yes, I believe a certain amount of um, inspiration and motivation should be free. Um, but unfortunately, the world has come up with lots of different ways to shut down photographers' incomes. Um, and you have to be quite creative. And I, yeah, I've, I've made a brand out of expressive photography, which thankfully is something I believe in. You know, it's, it's not just me trying to peddle something that's just yeah. to make money. Uh, um, it's purely, it's that combination of passion and enthusiasm and excitement and a genuine belief of adding value to people's lives, um, which pays our bills, <laughs> you know, and, mm-hmm. and, it helps me for my 401k and, and all of those types of things. The Alistair Ben Retirement Fund, <laughs> which you'll yes. never, I, I guarantee you, you will never retire, as neither will John, neither will I, neither will Guy. Well, I think we'll keep going until we can't sure. do it anymore. Hey, I, um, well, while, we yeah. talk, while we're on expressive photography, and we've only got a couple more minutes here, and I'm going to, I'm going to be a little bit, um, presumptuous here we didn't talk about this but this podcast is has it's one of my you know i mean i like to listen to them once after we record them i haven't listened to this but i can already tell i think john will agree this has been a great great 40 minutes or so that we've been here Uh, alistair with your permission i'd like to tell everybody that we'd love to get you back in maybe a month or two Sure. To 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 do another edition of uh, of creativity, maybe that's a great subject to you know. Maybe the thing to do, if I could pull it off, is to get uh, Guy and maybe Michael Gordon or some of our other. Sure. Uh, 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 maybe we could do a, a roundtable here. I 
I think it'd be really, really interesting. John, fun. what do you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. Well, put it this way. There's a few people in my life who, who have a direct line and it's whenever they ask, I'm going to say yes. Um, and and I, I rank you among those very well, few people. No. <laughs> so it's an honor. Uh, but we'll take you up on that. But while we have you, and I, I again, this is not we we don't sit here and um, this is not a, a, a place where we um, you know talk about pedal pedal products, right? But you know, I suggest. You know, and it won't be for everybody, but everybody should look at your website and decide to perhaps learn a little bit about not only how to take a photograph. It, it's easy to do that. And, and, you know, a jackass could take a photograph these days, <laughs> as I say. But, you know, to be able to be creative, I think it's good to hear other people's viewpoints and just tell everybody about what what you offer to the world here okay uh well the 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 big epiphany for me was the gobi that 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 was the 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 key um uh, sort of transformation for me really and it was because prior to that an awful lot of my photography was wide angle you know i I, i'd I'd been running i'd I'd run an expedition in tibet with mark adamus and and no one uses a wide angle lens better than mark um and of course you know everyone's inspired by mark at various times but it wasn't for me you know it wasn't what excited me about the landscape so when i went into the gobi i realized that a 14 mil lens wasn't going to do me an awful lot of good um and i i suppressed the the feeling of panic um to to basically just listen to the landscape to allow the landscape to tell me where to point the camera. So this is what I did. I basically, every time something caught my eye or caught my imagination, I would lift my camera, typically an 80 to 400, my my Nikon 80 to 400, and I'd point my camera at it and I would just shoot without thinking. I I allowed myself to be totally non-judgmental or thoughtful or conscious about what I was pointing my camera at. And over the next uh, two or three years, as I spent more and more time in the desert, I came up with a uh, a set of five triggers, five parameters that that I I I see in the landscape every time that I decide to point my camera at something, and they're luminosity, contrast, color, geometry, and atmosphere. If any of those things are present in whatever uh, combination, they will always create something that will have an emotional reaction within you. Uh, so I basically decided that luminosity and contrast were, were were two very important parameters. So I wrote a book called Luminosity and Contrast, uh, which is the worst title of a book ever. Uh, <laughs> it sounds so dull and so boring, and it's even got a black and white cover. It just looks really depressing. But thankfully, thousands of people have bought it, and it's the type of book that can change your life and, and I, I'm, I'm only that's me telling you what other people have told me uh you know people write to me all the time about it and basically say luminosity and contrast changed how i see the world forever um and then i followed it up with another horribly titled book called the color of meaning uh so luminosity and contrast and the color of meaning introduce these five parameters these five different concepts of how we can see the world and how we have and the emotional reaction 
emotions that we can perceive when we're experiencing these things. So it's seeing the world in an emotional way rather than a technical way. Um, and it's very liberating. And then I did a, a, a video series, a seven hour video series um, called the Dodge and Burn Masterclass, which is slightly less crappy title, but still pretty crappy. Um, and in that, I introduced the concept of emotional processing and intuitive processing and non-formulaic repetitive processing. Uh, so introducing the concept of emotional sliders rather than just technical slider names with numbers. All the numbers on the side of, of Lightroom are a waste of time. They're not they're, they're of no value. I don't even know why they're there. So I introduced the concept that every single slider in Lightroom is an emotional slider um, and then following through with Photoshop. So those are the three products really that pretty much encapsulate the, the, the where I'm at kind of now, the kind of the kind of contemporary where Alistair Ben is right now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I would I would sort of modestly say that. We've never had to refund anybody any money, put it that way. No. Uh, everyone who buys them gives us really, really good feedback about them. Uh, what, I'm, what I can do for you is I can give you a discount code uh, if you want to share it with your audience. Um, and I'll give great. you guys 25% off. Um, so I'll, I'll generate a code just for you guys for your podcast. And um, people can get a 25% discount in the store off anything. That's wonderful. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll have to I'll take advantage you. of that. <laughs> yeah, get in line, oh get in line, John. Get yeah. in line. <laughs> well, Alistair, this has been about the fastest 45 minutes or an hour I, I remembered in a while. No disrespect to the other folks we've had on here, because <laughs> we've had some great people on um, that we talked about. I'm very fortunate to have them. Um, but it's been a pleasure having you. And again, I. I'm going to tell our audience, and if it's okay with you, um, maybe we can, you know, as we get on into December and January when things slow down a little bit, um, on, on on my end and John's end, uh, anyhow, we can get you back for another uh, another 45 minutes or an hour. And sure, I think it's I think it's really good for the audience to understand some of the concepts that you talk about and guy talks about and some, some other people, because again, you know, it's taking a photograph's not hard, but you know, learn, learning to be a creative person or, and working on that and, and just letting it happen. Sometimes I, I think it's something that we don't spend uh, enough time. I, I talking think so about. too. I was just thinking, Jack, as you were talking, you know, there are so many people out there peddling the technical aspects of photography Right, because that's the easy thing to to talk to people about. Technical settings are easy to teach, right. but it's the creative aspects, the emotional aspects of photography that are, to me, the most valuable things. And and you know they're individual for each person, but they are the most rewarding and most, uh, I think, beneficial to the world. If if more people learned how to be creative and expressive in their artwork, whatever it may be. Yeah, I, I, I think art mirrors life and life mirrors art. And I think as we as we make these um, realizations or we have these realizations with regards to our photography, 
they, they they filter through into our daily life you know as we become more accepting of of the conditions that we meet when we go into the field mm-hmm. so we become we become more accepting of the people we meet when we go down to the store nice. you know we become more forgiving we become more accepting we become less judgmental we 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 become less polarized um and this is what's happening in the world unfortunately is we're getting more polarized uh, everyone has their little corner that they want to defend and 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 i believe that we're all human we all uh, inhabit this uh, fragile space that we live on um and i think we all need to kind of just be aware that we're all just trying to get on um and i think we all share many many human values uh, regardless of our faith or religion or our color or nationality or our any other attribute uh, that people uh, get labeled with these days um and we're just all human just trying to get by so i, I think uh, yeah it sounds it sounds a little bit hippie and a little bit uh, new age i guess but it it makes me sleep at night it makes it's me not at all I, and i wish john i wish there was a way we could send this link to our uh, elected officials in this country it's everybody could live a lot better if they abide by those those uh, mm-hmm. those uh, Fritos, you know. Well, we start in our backyard. That's that's where we start, and and if if we can promote these values through our work and and the way we we conduct ourselves online, and and you know this is why I I don't have any trouble sleeping at night because everything that I put my name on, I believe in a hundred percent, and it and it's there's a moral compass there, there's an ethical compass there that that is a fundamental part of who I am, and I I just it's very it's very free you know it allows me to be very authentic and and uh yeah i i don't have to worry about people <laughs> knocking on my door at 3 a.m you know, yeah. telling well, me that it's, such a, it's reflected in your work too and that's that's the highest compliment i think so, well thank you thank you, you. Well, i mean i've i've really enjoyed this yeah mm. well we're gonna get you back and i promise uh, it, it, it'll be sooner rather than later uh, <laughs> that sounds good to me because i know john is feeling the same thing that i am and it's been a great hour it's been an hour john? yeah pretty yeah. close huh? <laughs> pretty much <laughs> you want to do the uh, exit uh the exit uh, formalities today. Sure. John? Well, so Alistair, again, thank you from both Jack and I. This is something that's, uh, uh, you know, talking with you and, and hearing some of your philosophies has been so uh, inspirational to me as well. Um, I've been wanting to have this conversation for a while, and and because I've always, uh, you know, kind of admired your work and that and that expressive quality of your work. So thank you so much for being here. It's a pleasure. It's a real Can't pleasure. Say it enough, and folks, um, I'll put up uh, up on the uh, up on our website. I'll put up the show notes with links to uh, Alistair's website, and then the uh, the discount code will be posted sure. up on wetalkphoto.com. And if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, uh, wetalkphoto at gmail.com. You can always get to us at. And with that, I'll say thank you, and I look forward to our next conversation. And, folks, thanks for listening. It's been an honor, Alistair. Thank you. Thank you very much, guys, both of you. Loved it. All right. Bye-bye, folks. Bye-bye.